everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Vulnerability Hangover Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki, and today we have a remarkable guest joining us. Lexi is a public speaker, a victim advocate, and the founder of Sound of Survivors, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting trauma survivors. She is a high-level multi-sport athlete, an inspiring figure in her community, and a true beacon of resilience. Despite facing challenges, Lexi's journey is a testament to the power of vulnerability and strength of sharing our stories. I will give you guys a trigger warning for this episode. We briefly discuss trauma and eating disorders. If either of these topics trigger you, I suggest skipping this episode and tuning in to our next one. But without further ado, join us as we explore Lexi's journey from surviving actual true crime to supporting change in advocacy and more. Today, I have a very special guest, Lexi, a popular TikTok creator, a public speaker, and a multi-sport athlete. Welcome to the Vulnerability Hangover, Lexi. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah. Do you have an affirmation for us? Yeah, my voice is powerful. I am allowed to use it and I am enough. That is very beautiful. I love it. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> well, like I mentioned, we have Alexi on the podcast today. I'm super excited to have her on. I actually found her through TikTok. Can you give us a little bit of background about yourself, Lexi? Yeah. So for those of you who do not know me, my name is Lexi Weinbaum. I am probably best known as the girl on TikTok who survived her friends trying to end her life. I started to share my journey on TikTok as a trauma survivor in March of 2023, but actually I had been speaking on TikTok for quite a while previously, having come to the platform to share my journey of recovery through an eating disorder called ARFID, which if you're not familiar, stands for Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. So I'm kind of not new to that space. And ever since I started to share on TikTok more about my trauma journey, I have branched out into the field of public speaking and more victim advocacy work. And now I am very grateful to be here on this podcast and able to talk with you guys today. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm really excited to have you on and just, you know, pick your brain about victim advocacy and how we can further support you. Can you share a little bit about your journey becoming a public speaker for victim advocacy? I started to, like I said, I started speaking out in March 2023 on TikTok, which is a pretty public platform. And shortly after, maybe a couple months, people locally started reaching out to me asking if I would want to speak to Sometimes it was their group of kids, like students. Sometimes it was older students, like college students. Sometimes it was law enforcement officers or EMTs or people in the medical field, mental health field. And to kind of use my voice and my own story to advocate for other people and explain what sort of changes that I would like to see. So now it's kind of branched into, I will speak about a range of different topics. I love you know, tackling the true crime space and the ethics um, of that, as well as kind of speaking up and using my own experience to create a better world for just survivors and victims in general. Awesome. That's beautiful. I love that you're using your story to be a voice for other people who may feel scared to speak out. What role does vulnerability play in your advocacy work and how do you navigate sharing your personal experiences while respecting your own boundaries? So 
This was something that I struggled with a lot in the beginning. When my TikToks first started going viral, I remember I was like shaking. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to share so much more than I was ready to share. And I did feel like I did a little bit of that in the beginning. I felt like I got pressured into talking before I was ready. And I really had to find a place through a lot of like therapy and my own internal work. I really had to find a place where I was able to share what I wanted to share while understanding that there was always gonna be background noise. People were always gonna talk and either not believe me or have so many questions that I really didn't wanna answer and that that doesn't make my story any less valid or my voice any less useful. It's just something that I have to learn to tune out. But I do feel like vulnerability is the biggest thing. I did have to find this medium ground of, I should share this experience just because it can help people, even though it might not be the best feeling for me. And like I said, in therapy, I had to do a lot of that internal work and figure out what stories were best and what I felt like fit where and understand that it's not always going to be enough for everyone. Yeah, I know. It's so easy for them to hide behind a screen and comment whatever they want or feel like they're entitled to your information. I've definitely felt like that in the past. and I'm sorry that it came on to you so fast, but I'm also it's like feeling like it was a blessing in a way because now you have so many eyes on this and more people can be educated about what you went through and um, your organization and just who you are as well. I think you're a very powerful person. I appreciate that a lot. I do think that there's a, a big sense of entitlement when it comes to creators in this space. And I have had to learn to kind of ignore a lot of that. And I think that that's a lesson that anyone that wants to be in a public facing career or even just exist as a person that the public consumes, there's gonna be a line where you are seen more as a product for people to buy and consume then as a person and that's really difficult to navigate but it's something that I felt like was worth doing for me and like you said I do feel like it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. Well you're definitely handling it with grace and I applaud you for that. As someone who is deeply involved in advocacy work what advice would you give others who may be struggling with similar challenges or looking to become advocates themselves? For someone who is looking to become an advocate themselves or share their own story or whatever, I would say, like I've kind of had to reiterate a few times here, you do need to tune out the background noise a lot. It's going to exist. People are going to say things. Even if you're sharing something that was super like publicly well-known and whatever, there's still going to be comments, insensitive comments, victim blaming comments, someone claiming that they could have done better in your situation or whatever. Uh, but you also have to understand that the work that you're doing is very powerful. It's very important. It's something that is extremely necessary. And if stuff like this wasn't happening, there would be no reason for um, people to have to speak out and be advocates against it. For other people who are struggling with similar challenges, I would really say just focus on doing all of your internal work, not really caring about what other people think of you or how your trauma is being worn on your skin. Because at the end of the day, it's something that you went through and you are allowed to handle it however you want, whether that's speaking out, whether that is hiding in your room for a while. That's something that I know I did but it is something that you're gonna get through. 
your life is absolutely worth living and worth existing and you can get through it. How do you see the landscape of victim advocacy evolving and what challenges or improvements would you like to see in terms of support systems and resources for survivors? So this is a really interesting question. I definitely see victim advocacy evolving a lot within the next few years. I'm hopeful to see spaces that are dedicated to helping survivors more. This is probably the first place I'm going to be talking about this, but I actually recently launched my own organization. It's called Sound of Survivors, and we specialize in helping victims essentially become survivors. So we want to help people reclaim their voices, share their stories if they want to, but we also want to help people feel more like themselves again. Something that I struggled with a lot after suffering from intricate trauma was this sense of identity, this feeling that a part of who I am was taken from me and that I'm not able to be the same person. And through my advocacy work, I do really feel like I was able to reclaim that part of myself and really let her rest for the first time since it happened. And I really wanted to share that with other people and kind of create a more permanent structure that can exist to really speak to that. But I would like to see more work on all aspects of advocacy or in the victim space. I want to see better criminal justice systems. I want to see systems that value the victim instead of the perpetrator. I would like to see more survivors speaking out from cases similar to mine where you don't have this big high profile existence, but still feel like what you have to say matters. As we know, statistically, the majority of victims do not see legal justice. And because of that, oftentimes they are not willing to speak out because there's so much stigma around it. So I would love to see the stigma change for everything to evolve where we just are not victim blaming anymore. I, I feel like I have so many things to say on this topic, but I can see a world where that's happened. I feel like in the last few years, we've made major leaps and bounds on how we handle these conversations and what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially with TikTok. Too. I know that sounds so silly, but people are able to come on there and really tell their truth. Of course, people are going to be skeptical because they've never been in this situation. But how are you going to be in that situation? You don't know. And for people yeah. to like going back to saying, oh, I would do something different in this situation. Like you really don't know. And that's why this is so important. And your platform is so important. And your Sounds of Survivors organization is so important. So I'm really looking forward to seeing more of that from you. So I wanted to kind of go back. We briefly touched on you are a multi-sport athlete and you did overcome ORFID. Uh, could you shed some more light on ORFID and how it has impacted various aspects of your life, including your athletic pursuits? Yeah. I am a multi-sport athlete. I was a competitive equestrian for my entire life. I am also a track and field and cross-country runner. I ran at the Division One level collegiately for several years. And now I actually am just continuing on with my competitive athletic career on my own. I still ride, run every single day. Um, and I also, like we said, suffer from an eating disorder called ARFID and kind of how that manifested for me was an extreme fear of food that kind of showed up essentially overnight. I went out with a couple of friends. I started kind of having some thoughts about food and whatever. I was dealing with some health issues at the time related to the traumatic event I went through. And 
I started to get really sick and whatever. And then all of a sudden, pretty much overnight, I was eating five foods. And when I say five foods, I'm not joking. Like I wouldn't even eat salt at a period of time. And that ended in me ending up hospitalized with many nutrient deficiencies. When I started my TikTok account, I was actually in eating disorder treatment at that time. I, I had actually been in it, I think for three months at the point of my first video. And it was really difficult. I vividly remember when I joined my collegiate team, looking back at an email from my doctor that says that I'm not allowed to exercise. My exercise is limited to light walking because I was so sick. I most days like couldn't get out of bed. I was very thin. My hair was falling out. It, it was a really, really challenging time. And I had to prioritize my athletic career and my existence as a person really to kind of put myself in a position to get help. But it was extremely difficult because when I got diagnosed in late 2019 and then early 2020, as we know, there ends up being a pandemic and everything switched to telehealth. And there wasn't a bed available for me at one point in an inpatient unit. I was constantly like having to fight for help. I couldn't afford it because I had now become unemployed. And just basically my whole life was falling apart at that time. And then fast forward a year and I'm running in college and I'm doing absolutely amazing and um, sharing that publicly on TikTok. Some of it still exists today. Um, How do you manage the challenges of ARFID while maintaining a high level of physical fitness and performance in your athletic endeavors? So it's been difficult because ARFID limits what and how much I feel like I can eat, but I go to therapy every week. I still go twice a week. I do lots of food trials. I'm constantly encouraging myself to do better. And I just try to really hold on to that feeling of success. Uh, I love when I'm running a personal best in a race. I love when I am winning at a horse show or have a really good round or something. And I want to be able to have those moments. And those moments can't exist if I'm too sick or quite frankly, if I lose my life to the illness. So I need to put myself and my health first. That's challenging because obviously with eating disorders comes a sense of like not feeling very confident in yourself. It was really difficult to figure out how to overcome that, but I do feel like I found that balance. I've kind of kept myself as healthy as I can be. And there are, there are a lot of rules, like most of my coaches that I've had will make me continuously get my blood work done or get x-rays because I've dealt with some like bone density issues or whatever, things that they can check in on to really make sure that I'm staying okay and I can continue to perform athletically at the level I do. What type of sports are you in right now? I still ride horses. I have two horses, Polly and Lightning. Um, I still ride. I haven't competed in a while because I actually, I got into a horseback riding accident a couple years ago that left me with like almost a complete shoulder disability and with a lot of neck injuries, some lung stuff. It was, it was a whole mess. But anyway, I kind of took back from competing in horses, ran collegiately, and I'm still, I'm actually competing on Friday in running I still pretty much ride every day, run every day. I'm sitting right next to my bike, actually. I'll do biking, swimming, walking, pretty much anything to stay physically fit and in top condition as, or at least my top condition, everyone's is different um, mm -hmm. as long as I can. That's a great 
way to use that as a tool for self-care practices <laughs> and all that stuff. So I do want to talk more about self-care practices. How do you balance the emotional toll of your advocacy work with self-care? So I have to learn when I need to turn it off, when I am getting too overwhelmed and I need to go for my run or I need to go take a walk or my phone needs to be shut off. It's even like Last night, I got very overwhelmed and I needed my boyfriend to take my phone so I don't sit there and read TikTok comments and get hurt by that. Most of the time, I actually recently, I guess this is a self-care practice, started now that this is more of my career, I was able to hire a few people to do like some social media stuff for me and kind of delete a lot of those comments for me and handle the blocking. So I have some people kind of that are able to mess around on my account more. And I don't have to look at so much of that personally, which I really appreciate. It was kind of worth it to me to have to pay them because I it was hurtful to constantly have to consume that. But I, I just have to turn it off. I have to go take my shower, go for my run. I also keep myself to very strict schedules. So yes, I'm technically working for myself, but I get up in the morning around the time, like around... I get up really early, actually, like 6 a.m., but I will start work at 8. I will go for my run kind of mid-morning, come back, do a little bit of work. Then I'm at the barn in the afternoon, showering and in bed at night and <clears throat> kind of limiting how much like TikTok is work. Going on social media is work. Of course, I do have other accounts that I will just have fun scrolling on or whatever. But that for me is something that I am doing to be a career to support my love for advocacy and wanting to do this. And it needs to be something that I treat as such and take care of myself during because it can be extremely taxing. For sure. Yeah. I always find myself like saying that I'm working on my phone and then I find myself doom scrolling. So easy to do. It sucks you in, especially on TikTok. Yeah. Um, can you share a particular moment or experience from your advocacy journey that has had a significant impact on you, either personally or in terms of your outlook on your work and life in general? Yeah. So I guess a couple days ago, actually, this one really stands out to me. I had a person just send me a message that they are like in their 50s and from watching my videos, they realized that they were a sexual assault survivor. I will get comments all the time from young girls telling me that they realized because of me talking that they're being groomed or they're in an abusive relationship and now they know how to leave. I have gotten from when I've done like more in-person engagements, people have come up to me and said the same thing, that they've realized something, even down to like they had an eating disorder or they are dealing with some sort of mental um, issue and they need to seek out support for it. And to me, that's really impactful, especially when it's something like someone's going to get help because of something that I said, because as someone who sat alone for so long and didn't feel like they were allowed to say anything um, and was scared of really any reaction that came along with using their voice, it is really amazing to see people do the opposite of what I did and actually be like, hey, yeah, I, my voice is worth something. Like I'm worth being alive. I'm gonna go and get myself help because I now know that I need it and I see what it can do if I don't get that. And that makes like everything that I do, everything that I share feel so worth it. 
Absolutely. You're doing amazing. I know I said this before, but I'm really excited to see where your organization takes you and everything like that. So looking ahead, what are your goals and aspirations, both personally and professionally, and how do you envision continuing to make an impact on the areas of victim advocacy and beyond? I would like to continue to grow the organization. I envision so many different changes. I would eventually like to offer more of like a grant-based program so I can help more victims get out of their situations. I would like to speak more widely, perhaps internationally, and especially get to talk to more young people that I feel like I could really make a difference in. And as far as like personally, I do see myself continuing with my athletic career, continuing. I'm currently in the process of writing a book and I've been a writer since I was a kid, really. I've enjoyed that process a lot. I really see myself continuing to keep the practice of writing every single day in my life and yeah, and going and taking care of myself, going to therapy, doing my journaling, all of my self-care stuff. Yeah, it's kind of how I see everything going. I love it. Well, you're definitely going to inspire many people and you have already. So I really appreciate that. Well, we are coming to a close, but I really appreciate you coming on. Where can my audience find you and reach out to you if need be or follow along your journey with Sound of Survivors? You can follow me at uh, TikTok Lexi Weinbaum. On Instagram, it's Alexa Weinbaum, just my full name. And Sound of Survivors is soundofsurvivors.org. You can check that out. We would love your support. Thank you so much for coming on the Vulnerability Hangover podcast. And we will catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you found Lexi's story as inspiring and empowering as I did. Remember, no matter your challenges, your story is valid and your voice matters. If today's episode resonates with you or you want to learn more about Lexi's work with Sound of Survivors, check out our show notes for additional resources. Until next time, embrace your vulnerability, lean into your strength, and always remember, you are not alone. I will catch you guys in the next episode. Okay, love you, bye!